This week we're going to be uh, wrapping up our one of our favorite series I think that we've ever done called The Hood. And this is this is the parental warning right now. If you guys weren't here last week, I'll just tell you right off the bat, you missed a good one. I can say that because I preached. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, but we did give you guys a warning that we are going to be talking about under the hood. And it's not mechanical. So uh, if you guys have little kids with you that you don't want to explain things to after the service, this would be a great opportunity to utilize our Refuge Kids team. They're amazing, and um, they're ready to receive your kids today because they know what we're about to get into. If this is your first time joining us, we really want to get to know you. It's a privilege to do what we do because we get to meet new people all the time. And it's not just about getting to know your name. It's also hearing your story. We do count people that come because we know that numbers represent people. And so numbers matter because people matter. And people matter because they represent a story and every story matters to God. And if it matters to God, it matters to us. So we have the opportunity for you to connect with us through something we call our connection card. You'll find that under the seat in front of you. You can either fill it out and drop it in the black box that you see outside. Uh, the auditorium doors, or you can bring it all the way up to guest services. And if you do that, we have a free gift to give you just to thank you for being here with us today. There's another way that we can connect with you, and that's through what we call My Refuge. My Refuge, we've kind of tweaked this thing forever, and we've moved it online. And My Refuge is simply a crash course in refuge. But what it is more than that is finding out how you're wired and how you fit here because it's not all about us it's about how we can work together and so just to give you a quick orientation on how to access that and just to meet you um, I'll actually be teaching that class out in the lobby um, sorry out in the lounge so if you go out this right set of doors and turn right the lounge is right there I'll be standing there uh, just to welcome you and it takes guess how long seven minutes. It's amazing. We've got some exciting things coming up um, this next month, July. Hard to believe that. Um, but we've got baptisms coming up. And so you can grab your phone and you can actually go to our website to sign up for baptism. And all that baptism really is, is just a public display of an internal decision that you've already made to become a follower of Jesus. And that's just, that's just you putting really your money where your mouth is. You know what my segue is next? giving. Um, and so that's an opportunity also for you to put your money where your mouth is, not financially, but in saying, God, I trust you. I trust you enough to live off of 90% because I know that it's all been given to me by you anyways. And so it's just an action that you have in giving God back what he already has blessed you with. And we say that when you give to the refuge, you give through the refuge because we use those funds to reach out to our community, to help meet needs of different people, um, and just to honestly to have operation costs so we can continue to do this but more so that we can make an impact in our community there's a couple different ways you can do that you can also use those black boxes i mentioned before with the connection card you can text which is my favorite way 77296 uh, whm if wyndham was an airport that would be the airport code i think um, so whm and then the financial amount or you can go to our website and do that. So let's just turn to God in prayer and just give the rest of this service over to him. Thank you for what he's already done, but also thank him for what he's about to do in our lives. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you so much for today. We just thank you for every person who is here, Lord. We thank you for the people that are about to come to the next service, to the people that might be laying in bed, uh, tossing around the idea of whether or not to get up and come to church, Lord. We just pray that you would meet every person where they're at, whether it's here in the seats or out on, on the streets, Lord. We just ask that um, you would just come and meet with us, Lord, that you would just give us a fresh word, help us to see what it is that you have for us um, when it comes to 
uh, physical affection and love and sex and all of those things that you've created as a gift for us. I pray for Pastor Adam that you would just give him the right words to say, Lord. I pray for the offering that um, we are receiving, Lord, that that would just be used to bless our community, that you would just... Um, expand our our offering whether it's through our gifts of money if it's our gifts of time it's our gifts of talents that we're using them to serve you lord we just ask that you are honored in everything we say and do today in jesus name we pray amen what's up 9 a.m give jesus some praise this morning come on i love 9 a.m in the summertime because you guys come to church with trunks on Swimming trunks, bathing suit cover-ups, all of it, boats in the parking lot, everyone ready to go to the lake, and uh, we'll get you there, all right, we'll get you there, and God is just so good. Thank you for being here. My name is Adam Harold. Uh, as my wife said, uh, we had the privilege of leading this church together. We do it as a team. I couldn't do it without her. And uh, she couldn't do it without me on most days, right? Uh, thank you guys so much for being here. I am, as we, as, we, as we sang those songs, and I don't know if it's what I've been digging into God's word lately, but worship has just made me so stinking emotional. And you guys know I'm... I'm emotional anyway, right? So when worship makes me emotional, then it's like, watch out. Get out the tissues. And if you don't like emotion, then you're definitely in the wrong church. I'm learning that the character of God is is who he, who he wants me to be. All the things that God teaches in his word about who he, he is. He has a desire for me to have those same characteristics. And so as we sing about the names of God, I'm sitting there and I'm like, whoa. Like, and it and it gets a little heavy, if I'm being honest. It gets a little heavy. I'm supposed to come out here firing you up, getting you clapping, praising Jesus, and and getting you laughing and getting you engaged and ready for me to talk about sex. But first, we have to acknowledge that God has a plan for my life that might go against my plan for my life. And that rub in between the two, I think that's where I find my tears. That's where I get emotional because I'm like, but God is, it's a struggle. It's hard. I want to be like you. But I'm human. And this morning, I want you to know right, off the, right out of the gate 
that we're all human. We get it. There's, there's a battle going on. We're going to talk about the battle in just a moment. But let's just acknowledge for a second. We're all human. And God has a plan that's far greater than our human plan. Far greater. And we're just trying as human beings to live out his plan for our lives. That's why you're here. And so this morning, uh, as Tanya said, last week we announced that we're going under the hood this week. This is the last message of our hood series. And... Um, it's been great. I don't, know, I, I, I don't know about you guys, but I think it's been great. Has it been great? I think it's been pretty good. Not because of me, because of, of God working through it. And, uh, you know, um, it's funny because I'm, I'm, so we're talking about sex today. And um, I noticed my wife <laughs> Uh, when she announced that I would be talking about sex today, she didn't say the word sex. She just said, we're going under the hood and we're not going mechanical. And so um, I realize, I say that to say, I realize that you will blush. And I need you to know that you will blush. Um, I'm going to make you upset. I'm going to make some people upset today with some things that I have to say. Because I'm not preaching this from my perspective. I'm doing it as, as I do every Sunday. I preach from what God has to say about the topic that we're covering and we're talking about sex today because that's where we felt like God was leading us a few, like, like weeks ago. So um, when I sat down to prepare this message, um, the, the word that kept coming to mind was timing. The, the timing of this message is... I could never have planned it myself because you see in in April I went on a on a trip to Florida for some R&R &R and uh, while I was in Florida uh, I, I was with my pastor and, and a group of guys and I told them about our series is right before Mother's Day and we were doing the hood series for starting with motherhood going all the way to fatherhood and my, my pastor was, I think he was just saying it tongue-in-cheek, just kind of joking around. He was like, you could announce on Father's Day that the next week you're going under the hood and you could talk about sex. And I was like, oh, I'm going to run with that. <laughs> and I ran with it, and I asked my wife, would you join me in talking about sex? And she said, Adam, my parents go to this church. <laughs> and I said, Okay. I'll give you, a, I'll give you, a, I'll, I'll let you off the hook this time. You see, we're still getting used to my, my in-laws coming to this church. They're, they're not in this service, they're in our next service, and I can talk about them a little bit. Her brother will be here too, and that's been a lot of fun telling him I was going to talk about sex. <laughs> Last night, I, he said, I, he always, ever since his accident, he, he got hit by a truck in November, and um, ever since his accident, he's been so loving and affectionate. Last night, he said, Adam, I love you. I said, Ray, I love you more. He goes, if you love me more, don't talk about sex tomorrow. <laughs> I won't tell that, that story in the next service, but um, it's, it's been fun. It's, 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 it's fun. My, my kids go to this church, right? And dad's up there talking about sex. And so, um, but it's important. It's important that we talk about sex God's way. 
And and as as I thought about the timing of this word, um, I thought about what God's doing inside of our church. And you see, a few months before I went to to, to Florida in April, I we had a, a kids or a, a small groups coach, small groups leader. She she oversaw all of our small groups. She goes to church here. Her name's Kim. And Kim came to me and she said, Pastor Adam, I feel like God's uh, transitioned me out of small groups. I'm going to stay in the church. I'm not going anywhere. But I feel like God's got something more for me. And uh, I was like, okay. Um, We'll figure it out. And that journey, long story short, that journey led us into a discussion about this word called discipleship. You see, one thing that I've realized is that our church, not just our church, but many churches all across America do not obey the the strongest commandment that Jesus gave us, that Jesus gave us. It was during the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples. That was the command that he left us with. So I've been convicted lately about discipleship, and I'm really excited about the journey that it's led us on. It led me to look at other churches and how churches are doing discipleship, making disciples. And it led me to my friend Brian Shippey, who pastors a church down in Framingham, Mass. And Brian is doing discipleship better than any other pastor that I've ever met. And so I've been having conversations with Brian. I've had two. And on Tuesday, we're beginning because he he's like, we, we had two discussions about about what discipleship looks like in, in training people. However, we didn't get to my discipleship. <laughs> and finally, I, I said to him on, on last Tuesday, I go, Brian, I need this. Like, like I, need th- I, I need to be discipled. And he was like, all right. And he like smiled real big. He was super happy. Not because it's something that I believe will transform our, our church, but because of what God was doing in my heart. And when you start discipleship one-on-one with someone else, they get excited about what God's doing in your heart. And that's what Jesus wanted us to do. And so as I was talking with Brian, he led me into this idea that's absolutely rocked the way that I've thought about pastoring, the way I've thought about fathering, the way I've thought about being a husband, the way I've thought about everything I've done in my life. And it's this concept Jesus is my identity. And it's wrecked me. Jesus is my identity. As a follower of Jesus, he's my identity. And if he's my identity because I'm a follower of him, his desire for the entire world is that they would identify with him. Pastor Adam, where are you going? I thought we were talking about sex. Let me show you. In in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, the apostle Paul writes to the church of Galatia, and he tells them this in verse 20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Paul says, I have died with Christ. 
Therefore, if, I've, if I'm dead, guess what? I'm dead. If I'm dead, I am no longer alive. And I've died with Christ. Keep reading. And the life now I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The Apostle Paul is saying, when you come to Jesus, you die and Christ comes to life in you by your faith. By grace, we've been saved through faith. It's not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. Paul wrote that later on in the book of Galatians. And so we have to learn that we die, Christ comes to life in us, and we identify with him. That is his plan for every human being that walks this earth. That's the only thing that will save us, is if we identify with Christ. Now, now it gets good. Because now I want to show you in, in the book of John chapter 10 and verse 10, why the cultural battle in the world has been a battle of identity. John chapter 10 Verse 10 says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. If you want to follow along with today's notes, by the way, you can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. Uh, you can find it on your cell phone, your, uh, your iPad, your computer. If anybody wants to break out their computer and just start following along, you're welcome to do that. There is a battle for our identity because there is a thief that wants to steal the identity that God has for you. Satan wants to convince us that our identity is found in our gender, is found in our sexuality, is found in our profession, is found in our socioeconomic status, is found in our political party. Am I preaching right now? Satan wants to convince us that our identity is anything but Jesus. But our identity is foundational. I believe that if if Christians, not just Christians, if human beings were to wrap their minds around the fact that Jesus is our identity, that that is his plan for our lives, we'll get rid of mental illness, we'll get rid of every disease, we'll get rid of everything that, every fear, every, every lie, everything that we've ever believed if we identify with Christ because he's perfect. So Pastor Adam, what does my identity have to do with sex. When you understand your identity is in Jesus, you understand that God made sex to show and display his beauty, not ours. Sex isn't because of our beauty. It's because of his beauty, which brings me to today's big idea. The big idea that I want you to write down. If you're taking notes, write it down. If you're not taking notes, write it down anyway. 
right? Get out your, your phone, right? Get out your notepad, type it in. Where, whatever you have to do, remember, when we view sex as God intends it, it displays God's beauty, not ours. God's beauty, not my beauty, not her beauty, our, God's beauty. When I view sex as God intends it, so Pastor Adam, how does God intend sex? Well, I'm glad you asked, but before we do, I want to look at just how, how, how the attacks of Satan when it comes to sex have intensified lately. And listen, this isn't a, a this is all forms of sex. Because Satan will will convince us that this form is just as beautiful, if not more beautiful than this form. I want you to know that God's way of, of, of sex is for a man and a woman to be married in the confines of marriage. That's what the Bible teaches. I'm not going to get into specific boundaries today. I think that you're smart enough to understand that there are sexual boundaries. We're going to talk about sexual boundaries. But first, I want to show you how Satan is trying to attack our view of sex. When I grew up, Pornography was much more difficult to find. And I still found it. <laughs> Boys have found pornography in so many creative ways. I was, when I was, uh, I, was, I was speaking for my friend down on the Cape, uh, Josh, uh, at his church, Harbor Church, uh, we started, we're just talking as pastors talk and we started talking about the creative ways that we found pornography as kids because p pastors were spiritual. We talk about stupid stuff like that. Are you with me? Yeah, I, I already put you to sleep. I offended so many people about that one man and one woman, woman thing. You guys are like, whoop, done. It's okay. It's God's word. So we're talking about the creative ways that boys find pornography. It was hard for me to find it, but I found it. Nowadays, kids have porn at their fingertips with just this one touch of their, of their phone. The average boy looks at ex sexually explicit material somewhere between the ages of 8 and 11. And it depends on, on the context of the home. It depends on, on the, the stability of the home. The majority of young people have seen pornography before the age of 13. In 2016, a platform known as OnlyFans launched giving people the platform to allow subscribers to view content of any kind that they wish to, to view. Subscribers, meaning that they, paid, they pay to see what is being posted. On average, the salary that someone can make on OnlyFans is somewhere between the, the range of $18,000 to $90,000 a year. That's on average. Average. The highest earning OnlyFans model on 
OnlyFans earns $30,000 a day. And she's known for the sexually explicit material that she posts. Not to mention the entire porn industry is worth more money than the NFL, NBA, NHL combined at somewhere estimated to be a hundred billion with a B, a hundred billion dollars. How good is sex? Sex is so good that people are willing to pay for it. And when I say pay for it, I mean pay for it. In fact, some people are willing to pay more than money for sex. They're willing to pay their marriage. They're willing to pay heartache. And they, they do it willingly. That's how good sex is. Man, it is quiet in this Catholic church. <laughs> but all the church has ever done growing up all I was taught was that true love waits. That was it. True love waits. It waits for marriage. But can I just say that with the all-out assault to destroy God's identity in my life, with and through sexuality and sex, the church owes more to our kids than to just teach them that true love waits for marriage. We should be teaching our kids why true love waits for marriage. We should be teaching them the why behind it. Because the why is so much more beautiful than looking at a stranger on OnlyFans. The why is so much more beautiful than sleeping or hooking up with some girl that I might marry someday. I might marry her. Sex is absolutely mo the most beautiful gift that God has given man. And it's intended to show his beauty, not ours. And so God sets up these boundaries for us to discover the most beautiful sex that we could ever experience because that's his plan for our lives. I believe that there are two things in God's word that he shows us how he views sex. But before we get to that, we have to look at the boundaries. Now, like I said, we're not gonna, I'm not going to name the specific boundaries this morning. But I want to show you what God's word says about sexual boundaries in Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 through 5. It says, for you have died... And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Do you understand why I started with identity this morning? Because we have died and our identity is in God. Carry on. Verse 4. When Christ who is our life, when Christ who is our identity appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. When you identify with Christ on this earth, you will identify with Christ in heaven. Come on, somebody. That is good. That should be shouted about. When we identify with Christ on earth, we will identify with him in heaven. Verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly within you. 
What does Paul say is earthly within us? It is sexual immorality, impurity, which goes along with sexual immorality. It is passion, which goes along with sexual immorality. It is evil desire that goes along with sexual immorality. Do you, want, do you get what I'm saying? The Apostle Paul is pointing out here that sexual immorality will destroy you. What will it destroy? The identity that God has for you, which is to identify with God. Are you with me? I can't make this stuff up. This is so much better than I am. This is so much smarter than I am. It makes so much sense when you look at God's word. That word sexual immorality in the original language that Paul is writing in, which is Greek. In that, in the original language that Paul uses, he, words, he uses the word porneia, pornania. Now, what does that sound like? Porn, pornography. Pornania is the, the same exact Greek word that we get the word pornography from. If that doesn't tell you that you shouldn't look at pornography, I don't know what else will. Paul classifies all of sexual immorality as pornania. We have to get away from sexual immorality. But what exactly is it? The word pornonia is translated to be illicit sexual intercourse. In other words, anything that is sexually out of bounds. If God intends sex to be in the confines of marriage, then there is something known as out of bounds. Anything out of bounds will destroy you. Living our lives sexually out of bounds is, is living earthly according to the things of the world. And this brings me to the two things that God says about sex, that, we that, that when we understand them, holy smokes, you will walk out of this room understanding the beauty that God has, that he freely gives to you, that is freely available to you, but we have to see it according to his word. So I've got two things that God says about sex, but then I've got two things that the world tries to counter with. And I want to share those with you. Number one, God says sex is spiritual. The world says sex is purely physical. God says sex is spiritual. The world says sex is purely physical. It's just about being physically attracted. It's just about what feels good. It's physical. That's the lie of the world. God says, no, no, no. It's so much more than feeling, both physically, emotionally, but it's spiritual. Now, even the world identifies sex as spiritual. They just don't know it. Let me show it to you. Did you know that rape is categorized differently than assault? Yeah, you knew that. But let me, let me show you, according to Find.Law, which was a main website, gross sexual assault can be classified as a Class B crime or a Class C crime. Class B crimes are punishable by imprisonment for up to 10 years and or a $20,000 fine. 
The crime of assault, according to BernieLawMe.com, uh, Bernie which is a, a lawyer in Maine, the crime of, ass of assault is a misdemeanor and carrying a maximum penalty of 30, 364 days in jail and a fine of $300. Beating someone up is far less than raping someone. The reason for that is because we identify sex as spiritual. It's spiritual. There's a reason that we get upset when an adult forces himself or herself on a child sexually. And the reason we get so upset, even the world gets upset, is because innocence is denied. And innocence isn't denied in the physical, it's denied in the spiritual. But if that's not enough to convince you that even the world identifies sex as spiritual, let me show you in God's word, Matthew chapter 19, verse 4 through 6. He answered, have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, therefore, a man shall leave his mother, his father and mother, and hold fast to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man celebrate. Who joins them together? Not the male and the female. It's not physical. God joins them together spiritually. That's why sex is a big deal. Who you have sex with is a big deal. And then, Graham, I hope you're listening to this message. Satan has robbed us to think that we can just hook up with anybody and that it's no big deal. But because it's spiritual, it is a big deal to become one flesh through intercourse. There's a reason we talk about the consummation of marriage in God's word. We probably don't talk. We, listen, we don't talk about that anymore. It's because sex has become no big deal, right? However, consummation means complete in every detail. A marriage becomes complete when it's consummated. When the two actually have that beautiful act together. And that brings me to this second thing that God says about sex. And that is, God says sex is purposeful. The world says sex is unplanned. God says sex is purposeful. But the world says sex is unplanned. The world wants us to think that hooking up is okay. God teaches us otherwise. And here's why. Because God says sex is purposeful. So, Pastor Adam, what are the purposes that God gives us for sex? I'm glad you asked. There's, there's uh, let me look at my notes here. There's four of them. The first one is multiplication. This is, this is the most obvious, I think. But it's, it's multiplication. So, in, in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 28, 
God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish in the sea, over the birds and over the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, that word subdue is a word that we don't use. But what it means is it, subdue, it, it means to bring under control. Bring the world under your control. Listen, God wanted human beings to dominate the earth. That's what he wanted for us. That was his plan. The word multiply, multiplication here, it's, it, I want you to understand, this is not a command from God. This is just to show us that this is a purpose of sex. This is a purpose for us to multiply. What I find very interesting is in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve sin. They eat the apple they, they, or they eat the fruit. It wasn't an apple. It was just a fruit. Sorry, pet peeve. <laughs> they eat the fruit in the garden. But after they fall, after they fall, what happens? Later on, the Tower of Babel happens where human beings think that they can get to, to God. They're like, we'll show him. We'll get to him. We're going to build a tower so big that we're going we're gonna to reach him. And so God says, I better do something about this. By the way, God, how many, like, what has to happen for you to say, I'm going to do something again? But God promises us that he'll never flood the earth again. He'll never destroy us again. Anyway. After the flood, God goes to Noah and his family. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 1. I'm going to read it for you. It says, And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. So it wasn't just Adam and Eve, it was also Noah, and it was to tell them, listen, I, I need you to fill the earth. I need you to make babies. And so one of the purposes of sex is multiplication. Number two, the second, the second purpose of sex, are you ready for it? It's pleasure. It's pleasure. And all the fellas said Amen. And all the ladies said amen. <laughs> it's pleasure. Sex is to be pleasurable. It's to be enjoyed. <laughs> but I think it's also why Satan is able to take our pleasure and to use it to rob us of our identity. Because your pleasure was never meant to identify you. It feels good. But it was never meant. That's why we had to start with being spiritual. It's spiritual. Not feeling. It's not about feeling. It's pleasurable. And believe it or not, God's word tells us this. The Bible's most explicit depiction of sexual love within marriage. By the way, this is where you might blush. Sorry, mother and father-in-law that are in the next service. The most explicit depiction of sexual love within marriage is in the wonderful poem known as Song of Solomon, especially chapters 4 and 5. Fellas, write that down, chapters 4 and 5. 
In fact, Hebrew, Hebrew boys were not permitted to read Song of Solomon until they were considered to be a man. They weren't allowed to read it. So let me show you in Song of Solomon chapter 7. We're not even going to look at chapters 4 and 5. You can go read that later. But chapter 7, verse 6 through 10 says, How beautiful and pleasant you are, O loved one, with all your delights. Your stature is like a palm tree, and your breasts are like clusters. I say I will climb the palm tree and lay out and lay hold of its fruit. Oh, may your breasts be like the clusters of the vine, and the scent of your breath be like apples, and your mouth like the best wine. It goes down smoothly for my beloved gliding over lips and teeth. I am my beloved's, and his desire is for me. Whoa. Whoa. My point is God created sex to be enjoyed. But outside of the boundaries, it's highly destructive. Satan knows that. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, flee from sexual immorality. In other words, run from things that are sexually out of bounds. Keep reading. Every other sin... A person commits outside the body. But sexual immorality, a person sins against his own body. You know why? Because sex is spiritual. It's not just physical. Or it's, it's, it, it, and, and I need to say that. That the world says it's purely physical. Notice I said purely. Because sex is physical. But more than that, it's spiritual. Number three, the third purpose for marriage, according to God, is union. Now, we've already discussed this a little bit when we talked about becoming one flesh. But, um, so I'm not going to dive into it terribly, like, like very much, a whole lot. But know that one of the purposes for sex is, is union, that, that the husband and the wife would become one flesh. Which is, again, why... Union is a big deal. Sex is a big deal because it's spiritual. God joins us together through sexual intercourse. Number four, and the last one. And I have to admit, when I was preparing this message, I had this, this, this was so far from my, from my thought that I was like, Holy cow, this is better than I could even write it. Like, this is, like, I, when God does this, I can't, I can't put it into words. Number four, the fourth purpose of sex is honor. Honor. Now let me show you in Scripture, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. Let marriage be held in honor among all. Marriage is held in honor among all. And how is marriage held in honor above all? And let the marriage bed be undefiled. For God will judge the sexually immoral, the sexual out of bounds. God will judge that and adulterous. 
how is marriage held in honor by not defiling the marriage bed? We honor our husbands and our wives by remaining sexually pure for them. Fellas, you need to stop looking at pornography, not for any other reason than to honor your wife. That should be enough. But sexually immora sexual immorality, sexually out of bounds, the Greek word pornania, pornography. Listen, I understand we don't usually talk about that kind of thing in mixed company. In today's cultural climate, we have to talk about it all the time, regardless of who's with us. We honor our husbands and our wives through our sex, our sex bed, through our marriage bed. It's a big deal. But you know what's a bigger deal? Your identity in Jesus. That you identify with him. Because, because sex is just being, being used to rob us of our identity in Christ. Therefore, our identity in Christ is what God has for us. The Apostle Paul said it was better to be celibate than to be robbed of his identity in Jesus. It was better to go without it. Because sex robs us of who God wants us to be. But God is so powerful that he can use the topic of sex that Satan is trying to do his best to rob us of who he wants us to be. And he can take that and he can use it to introduce us to who he wants us to be. Stand to your feet. I want to pray with you. Every head bowed. I don't know why you're here. I don't know what you're going through. I'm glad you are. I'm glad you're here. Maybe you're not after that talk. I don't know. Your identity in Christ. I told Tanya last week when I discovered this, I was like, I'll preach different. Because it's foundational. as I look out in the room, I see people, some who know their identities in Jesus and others who've had pain in their lives, hurt, some sexual hurt, all with the purpose of robbing you. of who God wants you to be. And if I have anything to say about it, he's done. 
he's done robbing the people I love. Because God's plan for us is so much better than I could ever dream. Maybe you're here and you've made mistakes sexually. You've lived sexually out of bounds. Our identity in Christ, when we identify with him, we understand that we live in victory over those things because he has died for our sins to forgive us of our sins and to set us free from our sins so that he can be our identity. Maybe you're here in this room and someone else living sexually out of bounds has hurt you. Sexual abuse is real. Cheating is real. But there is absolutely nothing that my identity in Jesus cannot fix. Let me say it this way. There's absolutely nothing that my identity in Jesus cannot heal. So maybe you're here. You say, Pastor Adam, I need healing from my mistakes or from someone else's mistakes. More than anything, I need for my identity to be found in Jesus. That's why we do what we do to introduce people to the identity that God has for them. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. I want a sacred moment. Scary topics demand sacred moment, moments. So to have a sacred moment, I'm gonna ask everyone to bow your head, close your eyes. I'm not gonna get super personal, so don't get, don't get too afraid. But how many of you would say, Pastor Adam, I, regardless of who it's by, if it's by you or by someone else, I need healing because of someone in my life, myself or someone else, because they lived or I lived sexually out of bounds. And I need healing from that. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Hands everywhere. Maybe you're here and you need healing just because you need to discover the identity that God has for you. So Pastor Adam, I, I need to accept my identity in Jesus today. That's me. Would anybody be brave enough to raise your hand and say, Pastor Adam, that's me. I need to accept my identity in Christ today, anybody? Thank you, thank you. Anybody else? I need to accept my identity in Christ. Thank you, I see it, I see it, hands everywhere. So here's what we're gonna do, we're gonna pray. 
I'm going to lead you in two prayers. And then we're going to celebrate what God has done, and then we're going to sing a song, and then you can go to the boat. If you're here, you need sexual healing. I want you to say, God, right where you sit, say, God, I come to you. And I just need you to eliminate the pain of my life that Satan has allowed to rob me of my identity in you. Father, forgive me or forgive someone else who has hurt you sexually. Talk to God right now. Talk to him. He wants you to leave it with his feet, at his feet. Just talk to him. talk to him. If you need to find your identity in Jesus today, say, God, I know that you are good. I know that Jesus loved me so much that he died for my sins. Come into my life by the blood of Jesus and help me identify with you to live for you, to be your representative to this world. Come into my life. Save me from my sins. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Is God good this morning? Well, I'm glad it's good for half of you. Come on. Come on. Hey, we're going to sing a song and then we'll be dismissed. Have fun on the boat.